have I not? Shit. <laughs> well, and we're live. I realise I couldn't leave it much longer than that. Uh, this. Oh, bloody hell. Right, this is an amazing start to this show as I suddenly realised I don't actually have my image for this. So this is great. <laughs> I don't know how I've done that. Uh, anyway, I'm going to forget something. It's late at night. But this is LOPR Aftershock for uh, WWE Survivor Series 2019. And uh, whilst I'm clicking about trying to just get the image <laughs> ready for everybody on YouTube is kind of flailing at this. Uh, I don't know how much of this you'll see. Oh, look at that. Ooh. Oh, I can move it. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like how that goes against the dark. Yeah, people on... Uh, on uh, the podcast version I've got no idea what I'm on about but I kind of like oh, it's not in the middle is it so uh, this is great oh something i got my notes in the way is it good? there we go ooh that's still not right so I'm just adjusting an image for the YouTube people and they should be seeing like everything I'm doing here because <laughs> I can't get the image to fit go on there, there you go there we go right there we go <laughs> let me just check everything's working right there you go it's all done there it's great. You see, oh, I can watch myself move it about. It's going to check the audio. There we go. Makes amazing content. Amazing content. <laughs> right. Lords of Pain Radio Aftershock for WWE Survivor Series. A, arguably my most professional, <laughs> my most professional kind of beginning to one of these shows I've ever done. As I realised nothing was set up. It is currently half past three uh, in the morning, so I'm allowed to make mistakes. <laughs> things happen, especially when I'm doing like a million things. I've realised I'm not checked speaker. I have checked speaker now. Uh, we also are live on speaker for podcast form for the podcast listeners, and we are also live on YouTube. So whichever one you're listening to, you can send in chats. Uh, last time Hell in a Cell, it was that was the last one I did for WWE. It was Hell in a Cell, and it was kind of mental in terms of. Like the amount of people we got kind of corning in and sending me messages and things. Uh, obviously, that was a lot more emotional than this show, especially negative reaction. Like a negative reaction, like it's not that great to kind of watch and stuff. But for that show, for the listenerships, like numbers skyrocket. So, like podcasters, we love that stuff. But uh, but really, this is a positive review, which is kind of um, the reason I'm starting off like that. Where Hell in a Cell, I was questioning life I really didn't know where to kind of go with it I was I was the fact I was live minutes later was like crazy to me I I had no idea what I was going to say but with this one I've got I know exactly what I'm going to say I so get ready for a positive aftershock like my god it's crazy (laughs) it's going to be positive about WWE quite a degree as well so so I want it because I, I like to talk about like the main event matches first and then go through the rest of the card. That's the format I do for these aftershocks uh, since I've nicked it from Steve. <laughs> he used to just do the card in order. I've, I've hijacked it. Uh, uh, but uh, yes, uh, uh, also this is currently being posted on uh, lordsofpain.net as well. So if you want to go there and do stuff, you can send me tweets at the damn implicat. Just getting this out of the way before I properly jump in. Also, I went live just after half past three. Suck it, Ray Cash from Chairshot Radio. <laughs> it was talking to uh, during the show, just sending the messages like that. It's, that's the dream time for like someone from the UK where it's kind of late, but it's not too late. Well, it's not for me. For me, half past three isn't too late. So I was like, that's the dream time. Four o'clock is when I start to my eyes go blurry. 
and start to turn off. It's happened before I would have done an Aftershock. My eyes were so blurry I couldn't read all the notes I'd written. So that was great. Uh, but yeah, half past three, the dream time. So I'm really positive going into this review. I hit half past three, the dream time. <laughs> so I've done it. Uh, that deserved a giggle. I'm, I'm happy with that. But anyway, Lost of Pain Radio uh, Aftershock probably should, you know, talk about the pay-per-view. You know, it's a, it's a good idea to do that. So, first of all, well, yeah, the overall kind of feelings towards the show was I really, really enjoyed it. It absolutely flew by. Uh, it was three and a half hours, and it was gone like that. I've realised I am bashing my headphones quite loudly. Uh, it, yeah, it absolutely flew by for me. Enjoyed it immensely. So that's a big thumbs up. Uh, secondly, the, it did end on a bit of a damp note, though. So that's kind of where I want to start. So I want to get out there first. I really enjoyed this. This paid for you like, overall. But I do just want to make the note that I didn't really care for the main event. That was a very damp ending to a really, like, a fire show, essentially. But uh, let's quickly talk about it. So, the main event was the Women's Championship... Tri- uh, I can't really speak. Was the Women's Championship Triple Threat Match uh, from SmackDown, Bailey representing NXT, Shayna Baszler, and the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. So, uh... Really to kind of go through the match, I was a tad distracted getting everything ready for this show because I realised, oh crap, we might actually be able to go live at half past. So I got everything ready and that's exactly what I did. Then, so I've missed a bit of the start of the show whilst I was getting all that ready. As not show, the start of this match whilst I was getting all of that ready. And it is, uh, just going to check the audio one more time. Yeah, I'm a tad of but it's not like the end of the world. <laughs> Makeshift kind of world I'm in at the moment. Uh, it, anyway... So I, but I tuned right back in to see Bailey launch herself into the turnbuckle instead of hitting a uh, sunset flip power bomb. So that got a nice laugh out of me. <laughs> it's like, oh, Bailey, you <laughs> just uh, she was. I don't know whose fault that was. Whether it was Becky Lynch standing too close or if it was Bailey just got it wrong. But yeah, it was quite funny watching that her do the flip and just hit the turnbuckle awkwardly. Becky Lynch trying to drive herself backwards and that wasn't didn't really help anything. Uh, oh. But. Bailey got right back on track with the aggression, though, so it was literally just a bump. <laughs> that didn't really mean anything. Um, but yeah, that said, so the, the match did get on track, and it was essentially the idea that there were three people, but you'd only have two of them in the ring, and they would swap out who had momentum like really quickly. But you were essentially having that two people in the ring, one on the outside, they tag back in kind of story, which I'm not a massive fan of, and... Chicago seemed to turn on it as well, but I think it might have been like additional reasons for that. Uh, the crowd felt really tired for this match. Like Unlike me, they also did watch a two-hour pre-show. Yes, I won't be covering the pre-show because I didn't watch it. <laughs> That's my my, th- my thing of, I'm already dedicating, like this show ended up being three and a half hours, then I do this show. Like I'm probably not going to bed till like 5am already. Like To add an additional two hours, like that is crazy. Like The pre-shows are mental. It's just, it's a crazy idea. <laughs> just for me, it's like, oh. Uh, oh, uh, just so you know, uh, on Spreaker, if you click on the, I guess, speech bubble icon, you can send a chat through that way. So it's not as blatant as it is on somewhere like YouTube, but it can happen. Uh, my aim is to read comments later, but I'm really good at either missing them or just forgetting to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, take that as a warning. I've been, I've been better at it. I've actually read them out on recent shows. But yes, so... Yeah, they were really quiet for this match. But the pattern of it was 
kind of like blatant and you could spot the rhythm really easily. I'm not really sure it was the best idea to tack on the end of a, like a fire-paced show. That, that for me, that's kind of what added to it feeling quite jarring, was that, that kind of stuff. Uh, the... Yeah, so the match went back and forth, slowly building with Becky Lynch and Bailey getting the most... They got the best of momentum, but they, no one really ever had hold of it. It was very, very back and forth. Uh, the story of, really of uh, Baszler showing her resilience, uh, staying into the match, nothing really ever taking her down properly, not even a Bailey to belly. Uh, she was, yeah, she was showing her ability to soak up damage. I think they might have called it... I called it resi- uh, resi- uh, resilience just then, but I think they called it determination on commentary. Uh, Bailey's new anger was costing her. Uh, she shouted at the referee, and that gave time for Shayna to recover enough to strike. Uh, that was after she hit a Bailey to be- Bailey. I can't believe I still can't speak. After she hit a Bailey to Bailey on Shayna, and then Shayna kicked out. She went mental. That just gave enough time for Bailey to get back into the match. Uh, yeah, Bailey's new anger costing her. Also, the the new haircut suddenly all makes sense when she came out with the Cleopatra kind of. Uh, I guess cosplay with the head thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, it all makes sense suddenly. Oh, it all works. She's no longer Karen in my head. <laughs> it's just, I've got to credit somebody at a vessel talk for that. <laughs> just that, just the Bailey coming down with her new name, Karen. <laughs> that's what I've called her ever since. <laughs> she will always be Karen to me. <laughs> but the clear batch of entrance tonight, yeah, that can distract me a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so after like that kind of bit of momentum cost uh, Bailey. Uh, Becky Lynch came back in. He, this was the pattern of the match. That would consistently happen with the main consistent being Shayna Baszler uh, and the other two tagging in and out for most of the match. Very few occasions where it was just Lynch and Bailey. It did happen, but not really for the bulk of the match. Uh, so when Becky Lynch came back in after that moment, yeah, this was when you could really sense that the match was coming dangerously close to just being, simply just being that rotation of two people in the ring. Uh, yeah, with Beza being the one constant, but the other two were constantly rotating. But I did like that whenever... Like, there was at least a character force making that happen. Even though I don't like the pattern, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I find it kind of... For me, triple threats are like the best. Like uh, the one we had earlier between Roderick Strong, Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, where they're constantly getting in the ring all at the same time and having to dance around each other in that way. Uh, and if there are like pe- moments where it's two of them in the ring, they're short, not the bulk of the match. Uh, that's my more my kind of triple threat match. I'm not a fan of this one at all. Like, it ran rampant in the late noughties in WWE. So it's a speciality of theirs, I just don't happen to like it. It's just a personal preference. Uh, yeah. But uh, when Becky and the... I was talking about the kind of character influence of, of it entering that style... Whenever Becky and Bailey focused on each other, Shayna Baszler was right there to capitalise. So she was kind of the force driving it going into this kind of match. She was the reason that it was constantly tagging in and out because whenever they focused on each other, Shayna Baszler was immediately there to take them down. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> I like that there was at least a reason that it was happening, uh, even though I wasn't a massive fan of actually watching it. <laughs> it's an odd one. I can praise the actual character work and influence in the match, but I'll also admit that doesn't mean it was a fun watch. They two, the two do like kind of play at each other. But especially after a fire, that fire-paced pay-per-view, uh, it didn't make the match fun to watch. Uh, based on Lynch did show some really nice chemistry in there. Uh, wouldn't mind seeing those two clash again down the line. 
the NXT, uh, the NXT champions counters were the star of this match. Like great stuff against both of her opponents. There was uh, right at the end of the match. There was another like really nice reversal by Shayna Baszler uh, off the Bailey to Belly, where she reversed it and slid through into a chokehold, and that's what ended the match. It's like yeah, that was great. Same against Lynch. It was really quick and really fluid as well. Like that was that was awesome to see. Uh, and then Baszler taking out Becky Lynch on the outside, which led to something else afterwards. Yeah, they were really smooth moments, but the crowd just didn't care. They were chanting boring, they were chanting CM Punk. I thought I heard This Is Awful, which, obviously, me watching it, like, no, it, it wasn't awful, but I do think it was the wrong kind of match to put here. Like, this this match is ending the show. It can't be at this pace. Like, it just never really kicked into that final gear. There were... It kind of jolted into it every now and again. But it was again like they were trying to change gear and the car just kind of st- like stuttered a bit and then went back to the same gear they were in originally. <laughs> so you got that little moment of an attempt to kick it into gear and it felt like they were giving it a good go, like kicking the horse to try and ki- kick him into that next speed away from canter. But it never broke canter. That doesn't mean there wasn't some bad running in there, but they never broke that speed. So that was just a bit of a pet peeve, a bit of a shame for me from like on my end. So... Yeah, it was, like, it was nice, smooth stuff, but the crowd just didn't care, and that really encapsulated it all for me. Like that's The, the note this show ended on was uh, it's, uh, a bit damp, but the rest of the show was fire. It just yeah, dampened it <laughs> with this final one. A pretty damp, flat match to end the show, unfortunately. Uh, after the match, we did get uh, Shayna Baszler gloating on the announce tables, where the keen-eyed viewer was just remembering that uh, Becky Lynch was lying right there <laughs> next to the announce tables. Uh, that's exactly what came into play. Uh, Becky Lynch was right there to clip her heels and take her down. Uh, leg drop off the barricade and through the table they go. And you kind of get this thing that would happen with Stone Cold quite a lot in the Attitude Era, where Stone Cold Steve Austin might lose the match, but he's getting his fire back. <laughs> he's immediately destroying whoever pinned him, taking him down, like, immediately. <laughs> with That is how they're going off the show. And they did the same thing here with Becky Lynch. She might have lost Shayna Baszler, but she's getting the heat back, she's dropping through the back, and it's her music that's playing to end the show, even though she lost. So, yeah, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. Just a bit damp. It's my best way to put it. It's just a little bit damp. Still, enjoy the show as a whole, just not this match. <laughs> it was a shame, really. Anyway, the other match I want to talk about in terms of the main event is the WWE Championship match. Uh, Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. I wanted to do a Spanish accent, but realised it's half past, it's quarter to four in the morning and my throat hasn't got the gust to do it. <laughs> so that's a bit of a shame. Uh, so, first thought of this match is Rey... Is is he doink? <laughs> That's the only thing I thought while I was seeing that. Like, it, I don't I don't know what he was meant to... Was it the Joker from the new film? I haven't seen the new film, by the way, so no spoilers. But, yeah, is he doink? I don't really know. I'm, ass- I'm assuming he is. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, but, yeah, that kind of took me out of it a bit. Because he, he was meant, I'm assuming he was like the clown kind of Joker thing, but he just looked like doink the clown. <laughs> so it was really weird to watch. Uh but yeah, also Brock Lesnar's intro with Pyro. Yes, that was amazing. Um, this match was a no-holds-barred match, and we got to know that really quickly. Uh, Rey Mysterio was the one to introduce the lead pipe in his attempt to bring it to the champion. 
yeah, that wasn't a wise decision. Uh, Lesnar immediately took him down to Suplex City, then beat the crap out of him at ringside, and that was to quite a degree, <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, he beat him up rather nicely. Yeah, even started to take the piss. Mysterio was taken out so strongly uh, that Brock Lesnar started tying his shoelaces and kind of really just showing how he controlled he was. Uh, that that nearly cost him. <laughs> like, because of that, he nearly paid the piper. Because he went for the piper, thought I wrote in a cheeky little pun. <laughs> I am English. They, the crap puns seep in every now and then. Uh, but it was something else that changed the tide. It wasn't really that moment. Lesnar just stopped Rey Mysterio from getting to the lead pipe and assumes control again. Then Lesnar was the one with the pipe. He was back on top and he was set up to end Mysterio with the very pipe the man had introduced when out ran Dominic, white towel in his hand. It was like, oh, somebody who's watched quite a lot of AW or quite a lot of the Elite. We've seen the towel used quite recently, but you don't really see it in WWE. They don't... It's one of those things that for it to work, you need to sow the seeds earlier on. They And they've... In the past few years, I've had a habit of they've not been writing, when I say longer or consistently enough for that to kind of pay off to work or even come up. But after, since SummerSlam, or I guess a bit August, where they started changing how they write, uh, with with this angle is a good example where Dominic was introduced quite early on and he's come, and making, come back into play like a couple of times. Like, yeah, it works perfectly. They've set it up really well. Here coming out with the towel, you might understand that, oh, please stop. Even though it's no holds barred, I don't know what the rules with throwing in the towel for a no holds barred match are. <laughs> I'm assuming that wouldn't work. I'm assuming you won't be able to just throw in the towel and that will cancel the match in a no holds barred match because there's no holds barred. Does the towel work in that situation? I don't know. That doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not the kind of issue here. For me, um, that kind of, I was thinking that when I saw it. Then, after Lesnar grabbed the towel and threw it out, I was like, right, I don't need to think about this anymore. And then it very quickly changed to, like, yes, this is great, I love this. So, with that happening, uh, then it led to... That was the distraction, essentially. And Rey Mysterio did the low blow, hit him in the dick. (laughs) I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. But Lesnar's greatest weakness, followed followed by a second low blow by Dominic. His ultimate weakness. Uh, and then he kind of stuttered away and draped over the ropes. And then the double 619 from father and son. It's like, yes! <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, or as Twitter rightly donned it, the 1,238. <laughs> it's like, yes, that's a crap joke and I like it. Uh, I cheered so loud for that move. It's just like, like, yes, that was fantastic to see. The crowd did as well. Chicago loved that. A frog splash by Dominic, followed by the same from Mysterio. But it was just a two count. And that was the uh-oh moment. Uh, yeah. After that, Lesnar gets right back on top. And with one F5, that's all she wrote for Rey Mysterio. Uh, the ride was sure fun, though. Now, even though it was Lesnar winning, and as soon as he hit the F5, that was that. Uh, maybe that kind of paid the story of he just hit the move and wanted to end the match after he was kind of pissing about a bit the first time. It's like, no, this time, yeah. It was yeah, really, really uh, yeah, well done ending got me really into the match genuinely enjoyed that yeah yeah that kind of piece of picture for this show like, I genuinely enjoyed this from start to finish and I thought I might kind of tune out every now and then because I, when I get tired it's what happens I just kind of start to zone out a little bit like my eyes will get blurry I'll start rubbing them or doing something weird it's not paying attention essentially but that never happened I f- 
flat out just enjoyed the match from start to finish. So yeah, well done Brock Lesnar and Mysterio. You had the crowd white hot. Even if the main event didn't deliver, that match did. So that was great to see. Yeah, so that was the first two matches I kind of desperately, not desperately, I really wanted to talk about at the start of the show. The kind of flat ending, but the championship match before which represented how strong the rest of the show was. So thumbs up. Yes. Good stuff. Right, so I'm going to take a little bit of a drink because I've been talking for 20 minutes and it is very late. So quick drink of water. Then I'm going to blast through the rest of the card. And heed of warning, I was making notes during the show and I've essentially accidentally written a column. <laughs> I was making so many notes. I didn't realise I was doing it. So uh, especially, it's really going to help me actually keep up with the uh, Survivor Series matches. There's elimination, there's damn elimination matches. Oh, I've actually got notes to help me through it. So I'm not speaking utter nonsense. So, a quick drink of water. God, I drink that though. <laughs> Makes me amazing listening. Right, so, the first match of the night, which kicks us off with the show, the women's 5 versus 5 versus 5 Survivor Series elimination match. Uh, Team SmackDown, Captain Sasha Banks versus uh, Lacey Evans, Carmella, Dana Brooke and Nikki Cross. The raw side of Captain Charlotte Flair, Natalia, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, and Sarah Logan. And Team NXT captained by Ray Ripley with Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, Tony Storm, and Candice LeRae. So, overall impressions of this one, generally really enjoyed it. The ending was a little bit confusing. <laughs> it was just a little bit of a, well, what's going on here? <laughs> Does this? Do I've, I've got a million questions about what's actually who's actually legal in this match, and did they get eliminated or not? And because if they didn't get eliminated, what's the state of Asuka? Like, yeah, there were a lot of questions in play, but ultimately it, it didn't really change my perception of the match because the bulk of it was like booked so strongly with so many things happening and like pieces playing out. Just, yeah, I have very little complaints about this, and a incredible way to start off the show. Uh, but we start off the match with Tony Storm versus Sarah Logan versus Lacey Evans. Uh, first note, so glad that there's three in the ring at once over the two-person contest we're used to in these normal uh, like triple threat tag matches. That really kept the pace going. Same with the men's match as well. Like Really good decision, personally. Uh, so those three with Storm, Logan and Evans, that built to a two-tier suplex from Storm where she, yeah, she grabbed... I think it was Sarah Logan who was also holding... Uh, Lacey Evans, and that kind of led to an awesome suplex. Oh, wait, that was Nikki Cross, wasn't it? Nikki Cross must have tagged it. <laughs> Just remembering the visual. Like, wait a minute, that wasn't right. So, well done notes. <laughs> Immediately wrong. Uh, but then in came Io Shirai, Kairi Sane, and Carmella, who quickly tagged out to Dana Brooke after Io and Kairi weren't paying attention to her. It's an interesting strop. <laughs> uh, they danced about, about a bit. Io Shirai got some awesome moves with Kairi Sane, got to show their chemistry. That was great to see. Really, this was all Io Shirai got to do until the end. But in that moment, Io Shirai was getting like, properly over. She was really, really showing how great she is. It's, just, it's a really weird booking decision. Like It's like they didn't really care. It was like, this is what has happening to Team NXT, regardless of what the characters actually are. Like This is what they wrote for them. And then they just put random people in there, and then they did their wrestle stuff, and out they went. So, yeah, but it's to do that with Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, that was an odd decision. Especially as this is a massive note when they do the injury angle and the way that they come back. This was this really set the tone for the rest of the show of how canon is are the relationships on NXT or the stories that are playing out. This match told you 
Not at all. <laughs> like None of what happens in NXT is going to come up on this show. And really, it's going to contradict anything you see on NXT. With Io Shirai and Candice LeRae being, like, working together to such a strong degree. Where if you've watched NXT television, you would know that shouldn't be simple for those two characters. But it was. I just did it. Uh, I'm expecting NXT will probably elaborate on that and try and make it make sense. But on the night, I was questioning it. So... That was one of the least of the questions. That said, that still didn't stop the match from being good. <laughs> I still really enjoyed it. So the little things that I'm kind of questioning, but because the bulk of the match is still booked to such an enjoyable degree, they're, they're more little qualms than anything I'm really questioning or really care about. So I can't really complain too much. Uh, Ripley came in and she got a really nice pop from the crowd. Uh, Ray Ripley's done a, a really good job of getting over. They've booked her pretty strongly, especially with what happened on SmackDown with the really smart pin over Charlotte, where she had the figure eight, and then Ripley slid in and pinned the shoulders down with Banks unable to escape because he's locked in the figure eight. And same with Charlotte, <laughs> where they, with that locked in, she can't also break the figure eight and kick out. So, oh, that's uh, a genius spot. But Ray Ripley is over, which is awesome to see. Yeah. But when she, after she came in and hit a little bit of the wrestling moves, uh, then everything broke down with wrestler after wrestler running in and attacking. And it all built to that LeRae and Shirai both getting injured angle. They get, both got taken to the back. Uh, we saw no replay. And it was kind of put over really weird. They just, they set, they they were down and they showed no replay of it. Because normally if it's like a bit, if you want it to kind of feel realistic, that normal trope is them showing the replay of, oh, this is what happened, oh, isn't that bad? But because it didn't show any of that, it was like, oh, did they just go down then? And then they've got to go to the back. So it was, it was put over really weirdly. The production of it was just strange. And it just screamed, well, we know they're not injured. So are they coming back, or was that just a way to add the odds against NXT and then kind of build them back in? It was, yeah, it was strange. But, of course, the effect is it does work. It's just strange, especially with who they did it with. It's a little bit odd. I wasn't too keen on the commentary either, where they were saying how, uh, oh, they were never injured, this was all a plan. That was a very stupid plan, (laughs) if that was the case. I don't understand the logic of that. That was something I would book on worst-case scenarios. I'm taking the piss of they go to the back, but they're teamed down to three people when there's five on either side. And then the plan is that they come back later and attack them. That's a very risky plan. (laughs) I don't like the idea of that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting commentary note, but normally I'm able to just zone out what the commentators say. Like, even though they've uh, like got the massive scripts which they kind of burn through, and that's kind of like a lot of attention uh, on incredible position is on those uh, co- commentators. But it's uh, yeah, so they they what they say kind of adds such little value more often than not that I've, I do a really good job of just tuning them out, uh, and that comes into play later in the show. Just the kind of overproduction of the commentators to a point of there's no point in them. The wrestlers are good enough in the ring that there's WWE's strongest point is the talent. And you, you can just watch the match. You don't need the commentators. They very rarely add anything other than telling you the move. And more often than not, they're not... Nigel McGuinness really helped in that degree for this show. Like, he was fantastic at just telling like, people all, who all the moves are, especially with the NXT Championship match, where he's explaining all of Adam Cole and Pete Dunne's uh, signature moves. Like he really added to that sh- match, so yeah, thumbs up in that for that one. Uh, after that, we've got Bianca Belair and Ripley working together, and the former used the ropes to pin Nikki Cross. So Nikki Cross is on the outside, standing on the outside. Ripley uh, p- 
pulled her off, and then she was like on her, on Ripley's shoulders. Uh, Nikki Cross fought back, but that was enough of a distraction. So when she got in the ring, it was a uh, game over. But really quickly, like that was a really quick elimination for Nikki Cross, given the push she's had on SmackDown. That like, was kind of sudden and out of nowhere, and, and it wasn't a pinfall with a lot of focus to be a surprise either. It was an interesting one. Yes, yeah, it is a. Then uh, Bianca Bella took out Carmella too, hitting some of Bianca Bella's signature movers, movers, signature moves to take her down. So that was also kind of cool to see. Uh, Bianca Bella was looking awesome as uh, Team NXT was suddenly down against the odds. Uh, she even took it to Charlotte Flair, standing toe to toe with the Queen. Uh, that led to a nasty power bomb from Brett's top rope by Charlotte, which was countered into a head scissors by Carmella. And Charlotte flew down right on top of Bianca Belair. Uh, that looked pretty painful for Bianca. <laughs> um, after that, it was natural selection, but onto Carmella from Charlotte Flair, and that was Carmella gone. So Carmella got her reversal, but in the end, nah, she's gone. She's uh, ending pretty quickly. Which then led us into the first time we were seeing Kyrie saying Tony Storm and Sasha Banks in the ring together, uh, the slew of offense and back and forth. Uh, this The pace started to kick up here for me. I felt it was a little bit odd of the injury angle, but this is where the bulk properly started to kind of work and the story really started to play out really well. Uh, the pace was kicking up with the amount of reversals as well. Uh, you've had a quick elimination as well with Nikki Cross and then Carmella with an awesome spot in between as well. So it was interesting, yeah. So I've just lost my place in the notes. Uh, the slew of offense, the pace kicked up. Kyrie Sane hit the insane elbow on Tony Storm, but before she could secure the pin, in came. Who was it? I forgot who was in the ring with them. Why have I forgot that? Oh no! In came, and I've lost myself in the notes. Sasha Banks! Jesus Christ, how did I forget that? <laughs> in came Sasha Banks flying in with a beautiful meteora, and she eliminated Kyrie Sane. Oh, what a time to realise, forget where I was on there. Oh. Um. But uh, then in came Dana Brooke, as Sasha Banks had done her duty, like a great elimination. Uh, in came Sa- uh, Dana Brooke, a stiff as F kick, I'm on YouTube, can't say F. <laughs> stiff as F kick from Asuka eliminated Dana Brooke. Poor lass, didn't really get much of a say in this one, uh, but it happened. Uh, this is where everything broke down for Raw, though, even though Asuka just got the elimination, this is where dissension started to brew. So, dissension in the ranks between Asuka and Charlotte Flair quickly built up, and until the uh, and that built up right up into the point where it was just too much, and the uh, Raw Women's Tag Team Champion spit the poison mist into the face of the Queen, and then she walked out. So that's another person just uh, gone from the match. So she was never eliminated. She's still in there. That's the it's her versus Rhea Ripley, maybe depending on what on earth the ruling was of Candice LeRae and Io Shirai, because. Who knows? They never explained it. <laughs> uh, but at that moment, Natalia was by herself on Team Raw. Oh damn, <laughs> that is not good. As I, after that, that led to uh, Charlotte Flair getting eliminated. Uh, Lacey Evans capitalised and hit her with the ladies' right, so, or women's right, ladies' right. I don't know. I forgot what it's called. Uh, yeah, Natalia was the lone Raw star. Uh, but in that, it was Natalia versus Lacey Evans, and she eliminated Lacey Evans. So. Goodbye, her. Now, Sasha was the lone woman for SmackDown, and suddenly, NXT have the upper hand. Their weird plan, if it was that, has worked. <laughs> so it's now uh, Natalia for Monday Night Raw, and Sasha Banks for SmackDown, and Ray Ripley and Bianca Belair for Team NXT. And Tony Storm, isn't it? Yeah, I'm an idiot. And Tony Storm was still there as well. Uh, 
that led to Natalia and Sasha Banks teaming up. You'll see this later as well, which is another bit of a sigh for me. Uh, but yeah, Natalia and Sasha Banks uh, worked together. They, that It made sense. It was a, a kind of cool moment to then take on NXT. They very quickly got eliminated Tony Storm and Bianca Belair. Uh, they built Bianca Belair pretty strongly. So I thought that she might take a bit more kind of hassle to get rid of, but nope. Uh, Bianca Belair, her elimination got quite a big boo from the crowd. They were very pro NXT in this show. Uh, in some cases, having like nothing other than <laughs> like booing everybody that wasn't NXT. Uh, they're calling for the Yellow Brand to uh, make a mark on this night. Uh, yeah, at this point, I had a bit of a scary feeling about that. I was like, hmm, I'm not. Re- I don't really know if they are going to put NXT like properly over. But yeah, it, it would be nice, I guess, if they did that. Yeah. Uh, so, cover what happened to Natalia. I think I've missed... Oh, no, that was it, yeah. So, tension builds as uh, Risp, as the as Ray Ripley realises she's the last person left on Team NXT and the crowd starts to build up in support for her. Uh, in that moment, Sasha Banks took the opportunity to take down Natalia and get the surprise three count. Suddenly, we are down to our last two competitors from SmackDown, Sasha Banks, from NXT, Rhea Ripley. Uh, Michael Cole put over the NXT stars the future of the women's division, which is uh, nice to hear. Uh, but will the actions follow after his words? Uh, physical back and forth, crowd reacting loud for this. A beautiful meteora again for a really close fall from Sasha Banks. Uh, Sasha then cut down the Aussies' attempts to get back into the match and chopped her right back down and ready in the bank statement. And that was when back down ran Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. Are they back in the match? Are they just there for interference? Are they there illegally? If they hit a move, is it meant to be a uh, a bit of a faux pas disqualification because it's interference, or are they part of the match? It was never explained. They just did stuff. It looked cool, and if you question it, that's <laughs> suddenly where it's like, oh, uh, I don't know whether these questions matter or not. But uh, the Candice LeRae then distracted the referee, which made me think they maybe weren't legal, to which I asked, well, why, why wasn't this has been a commentary on why... Weren't they? I'm, I'm a little bit confused. Yeah, distraction from LeRae. An amazing moonsault from Io Shirai. One of the best in the business. Uh, Ripley capitalised, hitting the Riptide. 1-2-3. Team NXT win the first match of the night. Did not expect this. <laughs> Especially when it was like three versus, I guess, two of Natalia and Banks. I was like, oh, maybe Sasha Banks is winning this. Not Natalia. I didn't think they were, they were really ever going to do that. But it was still a bit... Yeah, I wasn't sure. And it was... Yeah, but the ending was like the right thing to do. Yeah, a question at this point kind of brewing of were NXT going to all be heels tonight? Uh, the crowd certainly didn't treat them as such, but I think they, they kind of came across as that. Like even the babyfaces were kind of playing the heel role. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun opener with lots of flying pieces and angles set up. Uh, only criticism really being that injury angle and not really having anything about the return of the two being explained. Uh, and it wasn't, really, it wasn't really stated whether Io Shirai and Kenneth Ray were still in the match or if they were interfering when they returned. Uh, oh, and yeah, the, none, of the, uh, none of what we saw was really canon with NXT TV. So let that annoy you if you care. I don't really... Oh, I didn't go into the show holding WWE in that high a regard to expect such a thing, so it didn't really bother me. The match was fun. I enjoyed it. That was really my kind of main takeaway from this. I didn't really mind that there were those issues... Because there's so there's been so many greater issues in WWE. For me, it's kind of bottled right back down to: uh, Do I enjoy the show? Do I enjoy what I'm seeing? And yeah, I really enjoyed this match. So thumbs up for that. 
after this, we got a Team Raw Tensions VTR. Uh, Rollins confronting Kevin Owens after he showed up at War Games last night, uh, joining Team Champa. Uh, the Canadian states the irony of uh, Seth Rollins questioning his loyalty of all people and then ironically holds out the shield fist. <laughs> that was brilliant. I love that. Uh, then Shisuke Nakamura's music hit and the crowd pops knowing what matches next. Talk about continuing the momentum in style. Or styles. <laughs> you want to do a crappy pun. Um, yes. I really enjoyed my WWE Network stream on my PlayStation. Skipping all over the place uh, during the running of the first five minutes of this match. Uh, I was able to instead join somebody on Twitter pointing out that a Roderick Strong and AJ Styles tag team would be called Strong Styles. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Uh, so I wasn't able to watch the first five minutes of the match because it was jumping about all over the place. But I got a great joke <laughs> that Clive from the Viking Clive show would surely <laughs> really, really like. Um, but yes, I was f- finally reached like a point where the stream was watchable and all three men were in the ring. Uh, AJ Styles was trying to wrestle the Undisputed Era man down to the mat. Uh, but that Roderick Strong showed that's easier said than done. Uh, it's not long till we're back to all three trading blows and reversals galore. This is what I was talking about earlier with the main event. Like, if there are two in the ring, it's not very long that it happens. Or it's like a quick kind of a spell of reversals or counters or something. If they are alone, it's quickly paced and then you go back to all three in the ring. But yes, I like that. Uh, awesome spot with a monkey flip with AJ Styles landing on his feet, only only to be greeted by the flying drop kick of Nakamura. <laughs> it's like, oh, that looked beautiful. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, the crowd started chanting all these guys. Well, some of them, they tried to turn it up in the truck, uh, but it was already kind of dying down by that point. It was like a section started chanting it. So I was really into the match at that point, and this is like, when I'm at that stage, that's normally when the crowd does pipe up like that. But, nah, I'm still in... Yeah, still into the match, even though that kind of made me laugh a little bit. Uh, Stelz and Nakamura showed off how incredibly fluid they are together. Uh, their quick bursts are an absolute treat to watch. Uh, the Styles clash was stopped by Roderick Strong at the end of that sequence. As Zayn then dragged Nakamura to safety afterwards, there's that little message of, AJ's not trying another one. <laughs> like That was close enough to being dangerous. Let's just pull out Nakamura. Uh, then uh, that led to Roderick Strong hitting an Olympic slam, held onto it, and then was straight into a Tiger Bomb from Roderick Strong. Uh, this, for me, that just kind of cemented that, yeah, this match is so full of talent. Both of those guys are amazing. Oh, oh such a great match. Um, then came like the craziest spot of the match, with uh, Roderick Strong on top of AJ Styles' shoulders. He then got turned inside out by a top rope flying dropkick from Nakamura. Like, that looks incredible. <laughs> like, yeah, that was great. Uh, the the king of Strong and Styles uh, called for the Kinshasa. Uh, AJ tried to stop him, but Zayn took him out. As in, like, properly pulled him, stopped him from doing anything. And uh, knee from uh, that led to a knee from Roderick Strong, and Nakas just died. This <laughs> is a hilarious sell. Uh, only got a three count, but loved the sell. Uh, yeah, another slew of strikes from all three men after AJ Styles got back in the ring. Uh, Nakamura did it kind of end that sequence Nakamura dropped Roderick Strong on AJ Styles head oof that looked painful uh, they didn't stop the Georgia man from stepping in to break the pin after Shinsuke Nakamura nailed the Kinshasa on the NXT man uh, AJ, that led to AJ and Shinsuke staring down with the Catman that was Italian I think I don't, or was it I don't know <laughs> it was a weird voice um, 
yet another fluid string of offense from both of those lads. Just, oh, it was a a plus. Loved it. Uh, then we reach the reversals of the finishers. Uh, Kinshasa, no. Styles Clash, no. Uh, f- into the phenomenal forearm. But before he can pin the man, Roderick Strong launches Styles out of the ring and steals the pin. And Roderick Strong wins two for two for NXT. So far, the perfect results the crowd were absolutely calling for. Reading the room perfectly. Well, so at this point, well done WWE. It's, it's, this is uh, normally when I watch Side Survivor. I can't speak. Normally when I watch Survivor Series, I'm a little bit worried that you would enjoy the match, but the ending's a bit off. Or if the matches like this kind of disappoint a little bit, and you get one or two matches that you genuinely enjoy rather than you know the bulk big matches. But no, two matches in a row. Love the hell out of them. That 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 was and that was one hour gone. That was the first hour of the three and a half. The first one absolutely flew by. It's like oh that was. That was fantastic. So that was when the little worry was. Because I'm used to WWE, where if that happens, then that second hour, maybe is where it starts to dip. Because they start kind of bringing out the mid-card stuff where you're not meant to be that much invested in. That often happens. They did kind of bring that out. They brought out the kind of the NXT Championship match, which hasn't really been hyped on television. Um, so maybe that was the feeling of that. But they gave them time. They let them kind of go crazy for like 15 20 minutes and yeah it really really worked so uh my my immediate thought was watching the match was it's awesome this match is happening the NXT championship being defended on survivor series like that is huge for both of those guys but it did somewhat feel like they were taking a second for a breather after that first hour like it was a white hot first hour and they just took a little bit of a breather at the start of this match which was probably wise because it did kick into gear eventually. Um, bandages on both of these men after war games. Uh, Cole out there like he didn't just fall four, 15 feet to his death the night before. <laughs> so, oh, he's way more badass than I am. I'd be moaning, lying in bed. <laughs> it's like, no, I can't do it. Um, in terms of the flow of the match, the champ had control early on, uh, targeting Dun- Dunn's wrapped knees and forcing the Brit to fight back from the get-go. Uh, but the counters from the Bruiserweight were played out in spades. Uh, the X-Plex being the first of those lovelies. Uh, a perfectly fine match, which I was, for the first half, somewhat struggling to get into uh, with the story of Dunn sending the knee injury, which hindered him from really going at it in this match. Uh, but it started to kick into gear after Adam Cole went for that first finisher. It hit the last shot, which wasn't enough. Then he entered a back and forth, and this is where we started to get our counters. Like. Right. Uh, Pete Dunne going for another X-Plex we've already seen. That got countered by Cole, lifting him up and dropping him down with Anushi Giroshi right onto his knee. It's like, oh, that, my move still looks awesome. But this is where the match, yeah, that was the moment. That was the signifier of things going to kick in now. Uh, another back and forth. Dunne locked in the armbar with an awesome reversal. Cole wiggled out, goes for his own thing and got caught in the pump handle. Into the better end, only a kick out. It's kind of painting the picture for later on in the match. Uh, it's starting to kick up into gear. Even though it's doing the finisher kick-out thing, it is at least building in terms of the momentum of the match, so um, it's a good, it's a better use of it. <laughs> to put it like that. Uh, chop after chop after chop from Pete Dunne, who's still on top. Uh, but it only took one kick from Cole to get back into the match, though, uh, with a series of kicks suddenly following. Uh, but uh, Cole, momentum-wise, was back in the match. Uh, and, my God, <laughs> Pete Dunne, 
backflipped off the turnbuckle and I got caught with a super kick. That was amazing. Uh, the crowd erupted and cue the this is awesome chance. <laughs> it's like, that was great. Uh, a second Panama Sunrise attempt, there was one earlier which didn't really lead to anything. Uh, second uh, Sunrise attempt instead is met with a stiff forearm from Pete Dunne and Adam Cole just collapses. Uh, X-Plex into a sit-out and go down like a powerbomb. Like, oh, that was lovely as well. Only two count, but look fantastic. Uh, crowd at that point is reacting to everything. Uh, they're kind of like me at the start of the match, but at this point they are popping for every single move. They are really into this match. Fantastic to see. Um, it's like WWE were generally pushing NXT on Survivor Series this night. Because that was my worry. Like, Were they there as just an extra brand to fill out the numbers to add a bit of excitement, but there's no real plan to actually push them? Or are they generally going to push them? And that's what they did on this show. Like, Baszler won the main event. She wasn't, it wasn't her music playing at the end of the show, but she won the match, which is pretty massive. And and NXT were, like, in the last two for all of the versus matches uh, with eliminations as well. Uh, They won all but one, which is, again, another pretty massive thing. I'm not counting the pre-show. I didn't watch it. I think it was one apiece, uh, which kind of changed the narrative a little bit. But because I didn't watch it, I'm not really counting it. I know the scores came up during the show, but I didn't pay attention to them. (laughs) So I can't really... I was writing all these notes. When they they came up, I was busy typing. (laughs) So I did miss them, like, every single time. Yeah. Uh, But yes, the crowd were popping for everything at this point. Uh, And as I was typing that they were maybe maybe generally pushing NXT on this night, uh, that was when Adam Cole hit a Panama sunrise on the apron. Uh, the biggest pop of the night at this point. Uh, Dunn, after that, only just made it back in. And it, when he slid in, he was immediately kicked right in the fa- right in the face with a super kick. The crowd were really loud for that. <laughs> only a two cow, and the crowd erupted. <laughs> so there's like this built and built and built, and they got more and more into it. Uh, to fight back, uh, Adam Cole was then slowly trying to pick up uh, Pete Dunn. Uh, Dunn then s- grabbed his hand, snapped Cole's fingers then quickly transitioned into the bitter end. But no, it was countered and into the Destroyer. So like a Panama Sunrise. It's like, oh, and it was so fluid. It was beautiful. <laughs> my my favourite my kind of sequence of the night, just the bitter end into the Destroyer. It's like, oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's the way it was done so well that you just added to it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, an insane counter. <laughs> like if you've not watched this show and you're listening to me talk about it after the fact, like the day after or whatever, at least try and find the gif of that counter. So, oh, it was beautiful. It's fantastic. It was followed up by the last shots to the back of the neck. One, two, three. The crowd erupts, and both of those lads can enjoy that beer backstage. That was one hell of a match. Bloody loved it. <laughs> Sign both those guys up to Rich Latter's Pro Wrestling. <laughs> I, I love that match. It was, yeah, two thumbs up. That then led us on to the Universal Championship match. I was going to maybe elaborate a bit more on that, how much I enjoyed that past match, but I think I got it across with all my words. And I'm getting very close to hitting one hour, and there's still, you know, another Survivor Series match to blast through. And it is already like 20 past four in the morning, so, you know. <laughs> Baby steps, let's try, <laughs> try and get through this. Uh, Universal Championship The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. In the build-up to this, in my columns as well, uh, you can check out my column where it's like 4,000 words in the past week on Laws of Pain every single week, uh, Imp's Wrestling Adventure. Uh, in that, I'm kind of talking about how 
Um, the fact that this match has had such little build that I wasn't really feeling anything going in, even though it was like, well, the match will be great because it's Bray Wyatt, Dunn and Ryan, but they've had really two weeks of talking to each other, which is nowhere near enough to get invested. But the way they utilised it on this pay-per-view, it was more than enough to set up the story and then the wrestling was told in the ring, which is... That's quite unlike... That's not the WWE method. It's normally... You know the story so strongly that it's kind of screamed in your face when the match takes place. You can't not know it's happening. This match, I felt, was subtle as hell. I was about to say subtle as F. YouTube, can't swear. (laughs) But, oh, I loved it. So, first note. uh, Roxanne, they put on the red light. A lot of people were, like, not super happy with that online. Uh, I'm kind of fine with it. I like the idea of us entering the Silent Hill of the Fiend, this otherworldly place. I like that idea. I'm not entirely sure if they're nailing it in execution. Especially since it's dividing fans. I don't know if it's better just to get rid of it, but I do also agree that at SummerSlam, there was something about when the lights just came on and you saw him there. It's The horror element kind of goes away a little bit. Uh, it's a well-known trope, or, trope in horror. If you just show the monster clearly where everyone can see him, you see, like, warts and all. The scary factor goes away. And I kind of agree that that maybe happened at SummerSlam and the red light helps keep that. But at a wrestling show, if they struggle, to, if they moan about it live whilst they're there. Because from what I've heard from reports, the red light isn't as bad with your eyes than it is, like, through a camera lens. Because that is a known thing, that the way that a camera uh, retrieves the light, you don't see it the same as you do through your eyes <laughs> so, uh, I think your I think your yeah your eyes um, are taking so much more light. So if I'm right, the red light is not as bad live than it is on the television. But when you've got that kind of complaint, I'm not sure if it needs a little bit of a rethink. Even though I'm personally fine with it. So yeah, also colour blind people. Hey, you can piss off. <laughs> it's like oh, you, this this completely just uh, it gets rid of this match as even being possible to watch <laughs> for uh, colour blind people. So. That wasn't a genuine piss-off thing. That was, uh, yeah, I understand the, the kind of issue there. <laughs> for this match, These matches are almost impossible to watch for colourblind people. Red is a very common colour, which they, uh, colourblind people struggle to see. Uh, so, yay. <laughs> um, also, talking about production. Dear production, why are the commentators talking over one of the coolest auras in wrestling to tell us that this is one of the coolest auras in wrestling. Just let us experience it for ourselves. <laughs> then maybe afterwards, if you really have to tell, don't show. If you really want to tell when you've just shown us and you know, the, again, the film rule, show, don't tell. WWE were in the process of showing us, then started to tell us. It's like, oh, if this is a cool, unique aura, we will understand that when we watch it. <laughs> it is that simple. We don't need like any other. Yeah, I don't understand uh, why they did that. Not they did it in the head of the cell as well, but this one kind of hit me. Like I was really enjoying the show, and then I did a little bit of a rant on this because I still don't understand why they're doing it. It's like with the Undertaker, I kind of understand when, especially when I was really watching in the mid noughties they would talk over his entrance quite a bit, but he'd be either quite far into it. Or it's the fact you've seen his entrance so many times that it really doesn't matter. With The Fiends, this is still unique. We've, we hardly see his entrance. And when we do, it feels really special. And, you, and we get drawn into his yeah into his amazing aura from that entrance. 
But then the commentators are talking that like he's walked out, he's held up the head, then they're like immediately talking. It's just like, why are you talking over the fiend's entrance? <laughs> we will understand that the aura is cool because we are watching it. <laughs> we are seeing the cool aura. You don't need to tell us that it's cool. Because we can see that it is. And if you have to tell us, you can do it after he's made done the entrance and we've soaked it all in. So uh, The uh, SummerSlam entrance is the perfect example of how to do it. The crowd went crazy for it for a reason. So you can't really complain that much. Uh, but in terms of the actual match, uh, there were lots of callbacks to that awesome 2013-14 rivalry. Uh, repeating the suicide dive spot where at the Royal Rumble, Bray Wyatt caught a suicide dive into the, and he hit the sister Abigail into the barricade and it was amazing. Uh, but this time, Daniel Bryan evaded the danger. Uh, it's like we got to see what might have happened if he'd countered that move five years ago. Uh, drop kicks galore, followed by the yes kicks. Uh, but Bray Wyatt is an entirely new monster, sitting right back up and laughing at Bryan's attempts. Uh, the crowd got right behind Daniel Bryan, all in unison chanting his name, slowly seeing exactly what Bray Wyatt was talking about, and therefore Captain wanted, with his opponent embracing the yes movement once again. Uh, the crowd uh, reacting exactly as it hoped and intended. When WWE hits... They nail it. This was... Uh, I really enjoy this. However, the Wonderable Claw was the end. Uh, even after all that, he accepted the uh, yes turn. And yeah. Very quickly, after the embrace of the fans by Daniel Bryan, he was caught trying to fight his way back in. And with the snap of the fingers, that was that. Like the Athenes accomplished his mission and then just decided to end the match. As a story, I really like this. Now, a really rare case of WWE telling like the bulk of their story in the match. So yes, it's everything I wanted to be. But yeah, <laughs> I really rated this. And then I went onto Twitter afterwards, and there were loads of people moaning about it, giving it like zero and a half stars and things. Uh, this was not a match to give stars to. At first off, <laughs> this was for me. This was a really good story, and the way they incorporated SmackDown, what they've been doing the past couple of weeks where Bray Wyatt was trying to get Daniel Bryan to re-embrace the Yes movement. Uh, it's kind of, And Daniel Bryan wasn't having any of it, like he's not going to play any Bray Wyatt's games. But throughout the course of this match, that's what happened. Daniel Bryan started to embrace the Yes movement, and when he did, that's when The Fiend went, right, I've accomplished my mission here, I'm going to end you. And, that's, and then he did. It's like, yeah. From a like narrative point of view, I have zero complaints. All thumbs up for that. Yes, well done. Right, I'm going to take another sip of water. I've been going an hour, and I've got a horrible ulcer on my canine that's resting there. <laughs> so it's like pain, I need to drink. Ah. Right, weirdly, these notes are keeping me nice and focused. I'm kind of blasting through. I'm a very tangenty podcaster <laughs> on my normal show every Thursday. Uh, but for Aftershock, I thought I'd put in the effort, make the notes. And I've accidentally written a column. <laughs> I'm not going to post it. This is the column. Uh, yes. Anyway, the is this the last match of the night I'm going to talk about? It is. Oh, one hour, pretty much. This is for an aftershock we, where we normally go an hour and a half to two hours. The fact that I'm going to be done relatively soon. I'm like, oh, yes. Bed before 5am. <laughs> oh, nice. But yes, the final match to talk about of the night. The men's 5 versus 5 versus 5 Survivor Series elimination match. Uh, Team Raw, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet and Randy Orton. 
versus Team Smackdown, uh, Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman, Mustafa Ali and Shorty G, and Team NXT, Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Damian Priest and Walter. As they made, it, made their entrances, boos for both Raw and Smackdown teams. Uh, the fans in attendance were still calling for this to be a clean sweep of NXT on the night. Uh, nice pops for the Chicago crowd for the, the Chicago-born Mustafa Ali. So that was nice. Uh, and out of everybody in the ring, when they'd all walked in, it was Walter chants. Like, Walter, Walter. Uh, those chants broke out as everybody got sorted into their corners. So immediately, if I was backstage, I'm a bit surprised I didn't call on Audible. Where's just that thing of, hmm, out of every single person in that ring, they're chanting Walter. There's a chance <laughs> this match may not go down as planned, <laughs> given that that was the first name chanted. That's quite interesting. But we start with Captains Seth Rollins and Champa in there against SmackDown Strowman. Uh, the two smaller lads tried their best against the big lad, who essentially shook them off and showed off with a dropkick. Uh, cue both teams, big lads, uh, in steps McIntyre for Team Raw and Volta uh, uh, for Team NXT. Uh, those two lads entered the fray. Two Europeans. Uh, back and forth. Then it was Walter who hit a dropkick on Strowman. Uh, got a nice pop. Uh, which was, and then he was immediately hit by Claymore. One, two, three. Okay then. <laughs> that was interesting. Especially as the crowd chanting his name in terms of like watching the product gave him an aura of, oh, maybe he's somebody to watch out for. Then he hit a dropkick uh, on Strowman. It's like, oh, maybe he is. And then he got immediately eliminated. Like, mm. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, that was a, I call that a slight booking miscue <laughs> on that one. Like, not knowing that the crowd would be that into Walter. Uh, a bit of a miscue. Because, most because they read the room so well for most of this show. And this was really the first, I guess, only... I guess the, like the pace of the main event was maybe not quite right, but this was like the first proper misstep on the show. Everything else was perfectly fine, but and I was really enjoying the show. But this was the first time I was like, "Yeah, that was a misstep." But that didn't stop in this match. I was not really a fan of the bulk of this match. Um, yeah, so but we got the crowd quickly getting back into things when they were, we got. You've got Ricochet, Chad Gable, and Matt Riddle all legal now in the ring. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, Walter's gone. They chanted BS. But very quickly, when you got those three men in the ring, yeah, Chicago will be fine. <laughs> we'll be back into it. Also, if you find Matt wrestling sexy, then those are, those latter two in Gable and Riddle are your dream. Uh, never mind the fact that Ricochet was also hanging about. So you got an awesome minute of Matt wrestling, I guess, if that's your thing. Uh, after that, Riddle was out, Champ had tagged back in, Rick, Q ricochet flips. Uh, then in came Kevin Owens to a lo- an awesome pop, uh, and then he climbed onto the top to splash down with something, but who does he hit? With the with Champa down and the Chad Gable down, who does he splash onto? And then he splashed onto the Gable. It's like, hmm, the seeds have been sown. He had the choice between an NXT guy and a SmackDown guy, and he went for the SmackDown guy. Seeds were sown. Uh, Reigns then tagged in and oh, he stepped in because he didn't have to tag obviously after someone's been eliminated he stepped in the crowd gave oh because of course Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns have a little bit of history um, but in that moment dissension between Reigns and Corbin because Corbin then stepped in and was like no no I've got this 
Uh, that led to a super kick from Kevin Owens sending the big dog woof woof <laughs> to the outside and cue a spell of dominance for Kevin Owens uh, right up until he took it on everybody on the outside cannonball to Roman Reigns who was uh, against the barricade uh, but that was right up until Champa did not pay Kevin Owens that same courtesy as earlier and he hit him with the draped DDT forgot what it's what he calls it and that eliminated Kevin Owens really <laughs> hmm the seeds were sown to immediately then have Kevin Owens imi- uh, eliminated. Like This is exactly what I'm talking about when I say WWE only introduced that Chekhov's gun if they're going to immediately fire it. Which is why, like especially when we watched AEW where they introduced the three judges. There are a lot of people saying, well, why are they introducing them if they're not going to use it? And quite a lot of AEW fans go, well, for people who watch like New Japan quite a lot, quite often they'll introduce something and it won't play out until quite a long way down the line. In WWE, that's not how they do things. If they're introducing something, that's because it's going to be immediately used in that setting or in that story. So, yeah. So this was, for me, that was like, hmm, that's interesting, where they sowed the seeds for Kevin Owens maybe switching to Team NXT, but then it never got to play out because he got immediately eliminated. It's like, hmm, that was odd. That was interesting. But then in slithered Randy Orton, who had just seen his own draped, draped DDT signature move hit. Uh, and then it turned out, yeah, of course, Randy Orton knows how to counter that move. That was pretty ambitious <laughs> from Champa. Uh, then Champa was quickly subject to an RKO. But when he got hit by RKO, he wasn't legal man. Uh, Priest had tagged in. Uh, but Priest immediately also kept uh, got hit with an RKO and he got pinned and he was eliminated. Uh, Demon Priest got a little bit of a showing. But not really much of anything. Yeah, the crowd popped really big for both RKO's. So in terms of waking the crowd up in this match. That was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, Demon Priest was then eliminated. Then in slipped Matt Riddle. And rolled up Randy Orton for a surprise elimination. A big moment for Matt Riddle. Who uh, then immediately got caught by an angry RKO. And in slipped Baron Corbin for the cheeky pin. Like, no one is allowed momentum in this match, which is, like, my biggest pet peeve. Like, as soon as you get momentum, that is the cue for you to then get eliminated. Like, you get your stuff in, then you get eliminated. And for me, it was at that moment where I was kind of... That's when it properly made me laugh. It's like, oh, from Kevin Owens to with every single elimination, that's how it's happened. And the pattern went throughout the entire match, and the crowd started to turn on it. I don't know if that was the reason. If they were trying, if they were kind of sensing that NXT might not be winning this one, and they were behind NXT, so maybe they were burying the match because NXT might not win. But the sense I kind of got from it was the way eliminations were happening. Like you build up momentum, which then gets you behind a certain wrestler. But every single wrestler that built momentum then got eliminated. So you can't get behind anyone because they build momentum and then get eliminated. So who are you getting behind in this match? Really weird. <laughs> um, McIntyre uh, stepped up to stop us from getting to see some big boy wrestling from Strowman and Keith Lee. Yeah, the crowd still liked some big boy wrestling. Yeah, so obviously uh, Drew McIntyre paid the price for doing so by Braun Strowman uh, all aboard the Strowman train, charging round the ring, knocking out I think about four people. However, when he then decided to go round again, and that was not a wise decision as a Keith Lee. Blocked the run with his own run. <laughs> they kind of jumped into each other. It was uh, it felt awesome. It was uh, great to see. Uh, that was followed up by a Claymore on Strowman by Drew McIntyre. Keith Lee slid back in. And Strowman got counted out. 
Again, interesting. You can get countered out in triple threat. Assuming, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's they've not. It's the first time they've done it, so these rules have not been established. So I can't really criticise it. WWE don't do these matches very often, and never mind the five versus five survivor series matches. There's not normally an additional five, so I'm not gonna kind of. I don't know if other people on other podcasts feel, but WWE don't do these matches, so there are no rules established for it. So the fact they've just used the Survivor Series rules as normal, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. It's a, yeah. Then out he went. Drew McIntyre, not Drew McIntyre, Strowman. I'm an idiot. Don't know why I said Drew McIntyre. I mean, I'm reading him in my notes. Uh, but that was another example of. Momentum's the enemy for whoever was the agent for this match. Strowman just built up that momentum and then immediately got eliminated by a count out. It's like the the pattern continued. It was just, it wasn't that. It was like I realised what was happening and then I was like, oh, well, maybe they'll switch it up because like somebody knows what they're doing in wrestling will like predict this feeling setting in and kind of change things before time. But no, they did the same pattern again and again and again. It started to get old very very quickly. Uh, I'm kind of the crowd are turning on it, chanting CM Punk and whatever. But I, like, I'm kind of turning out out myself. I'm stopping to pay attention, which is a bit of a. Given how much I've enjoyed the rest of the show, I've started to feel a bit like, oh, well, this is a shame. Like this should have been fantastic. Instead, it's hmm <laughs> with the, the uh, way everything's going down. Um, Ricochet flies and takes loads of folk down in energetic style. So yeah. Any guesses what happens next? <laughs> yep. Uh, end of days and Ricochet is out of here. Um, Mustafa Ali was now popping off. I guess it's now time for him to get his moves in before his elimination. Oh, yeah, we go. Curb stomp. <laughs> out goes Mustafa Ali as the crowd boos. Um, I'm assuming that's just because it was Rollins. Uh, then the passing continues for Drew McIntyre, who had a bit of momentum and immediately got eliminated again. The crowd are turning on this match. <laughs> again, I don't know if it's for the same reasons I was, but they were evidently turning on it. Um, it, it at least I can say it looks like I'm not the only one questioning this match. Uh, I love the show all the way to that point, but this is the f- like first proper road bump. Um, Left in the match are Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin on Team Blue, Seth Rollins on Team Red, and Tommaso Ciampa and Keith Lee on Team Yellow. Uh, but the dissension is too much for the Blues, and eventually Roman Reigns has enough and spears the hell out of Baron Corbin. Champa scores the pin, and now it's one versus one versus two. NXT, once again, suddenly have the advantage. And like Natalia and Sasha before them, uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins team up and we've got ourselves a two versus two. But... I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> but the crowd are not buying into Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Like, they're all in on Team NXT, still at this later stage of the show. Even The Shield, kind of doing a mini reformation, got nothing. Didn't shift anything. <laughs> they were still pure NXT. Nothing for Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Uh... But they then go to do the uh, powerbomb onto the commentary table on Champa. The crowd still aren't really going for it. Uh, but Keith Lee barrels into them. And he uh, gets the momentum back and stops the attempt for the commentary, commentary table powerbomb. Because it's not the triple powerbomb anymore. What do you call it now? <laughs> uh, yeah, so back into the ring. Uh, then Tommaso Champa hits a running knee. Followed by Project Tampa. Only a two count. But these NXT stars are seemingly getting more and more over as the show goes on. 
A big boost for Reigns and Rollins uh, getting back together to take down Champa. Uh, Chicago are not buying anything that isn't NXT. Uh, enter Keith Bloody Lee. <laughs> so, I was not expecting him to counter Rollins into the jackhammer, hit the one, two, three, and then we were down to Lee versus Reigns. Uh, I forgot to say that Champa did get eliminated with the Roman Reigns and. Um, Seth Rollins tuning back together, like Superman punch spear, stomp, and that was that. The crowd did not react well to that, <laughs> but they did for Keith Lee, especially when he eliminated Seth Rollins. Suddenly they're like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" <laughs> they were down to Roman Reigns and Keith Lee. Boo everything Reigns, cheer everything Lee, like Superman punch, boo, kick out, hey! That <laughs> they're really behind uh, Keith Lee. Uh, Spear, a spear from Roman Reigns was countered into the power bomb, and Keith Lee hits that power bomb with so much force. It's incredible to watch. <laughs> it is such a fantastic power bomb. Uh, but Reigns kicked out uh, with the crowd on their feet for the NXT Big Lad. He uses that momentum. He climbs up onto Brett's rope and misses the moonsault, which will then straight into a spear. One, two, three. Like, of course, Team Fox won. You've got to establish the new A show as you know. The A-Show. Uh, but Keith Lee got made. <laughs> he got made, though. Uh, so, overall, pretty not great for the bulk of the match. But the an- ending was a joy. Like, from the, I guess, moment Keith Lee barreled into them to stop the power bombs. Like, it felt like they, uh, were, they were aware enough to know they probably the crowd did, probably weren't going to want to see that. And then so Keith Lee came in. That was awesome. And then Champa hitting the knee to spawn well. So that, Project Champa with the power bomb into the double knees. Like, that... We got an awesome pop. Uh, that's one of the stories of the night, was the crowd reacting really loudly to NXT guys hitting their signature manoeuvres. So, yeah, kind of yeah, flow throughout the entire thing. But, yeah, a mixed bag, but it'll probably leave you happy. <laughs> it's an odd one. Because <laughs> I did not enjoy so much of the match, and the crowd started to turn on it. But that ending was really, really good, and Keith Lee felt like a made star by the end of it. Uh, Roman Reigns shaking his hat, staying to shake his hand afterwards as well. That kind of really added to that sentiment. So you will leave the match happy, even though you didn't enjoy the bulk of it. It's a odd compliment. <laughs> it's an odd narrative to really have on it, but that's really all of it. That's kind of how it is, uh, and that's the end of the show. Uh, so I in this is. Compared to the last WWE show I covered in Hell in a Cell, this could not be more opposite. <laughs> I enjoyed so much of this show. It absolutely flew by for me. Only only really down points for me being the main event, just I don't feel like was the right kind of match to close, given what how the rest of the show had gone. And then uh, Becky Lynch getting her heat back. Yes, people like t- stuff going through tables. We're simple, us wrestling folk. But... That didn't really work. The momentum had kind of gone by that point, which was a little bit of a shame. Uh, NXT, with an almost clean sweep, did not expect that. <laughs> so that puts them over really, really strong. Uh, maybe their ratings might start to go up now on Wednesdays. Uh, there is that huge caveat that in the internet age, it becomes available on the internet the day after. So I don't know what NXT ceiling is going to be. Uh, but it is known that like the bulk of uh, WWE's kind of viewership on television is like 50 plus so uh, that should be a little bit worrying for their future but like currently that's perfectly fine uh, yeah with NXT going up on network as well 
Uh, I'm assuming that does have a hit. It does have an impact, surely. But the fact that we're over, yeah, great. It's awesome. It really does make this... The thing that's made it feel like more like a new age is NXT and their kind of battles on a Wednesday with AEW. Like, I come out of Wednesdays so positive after watching those two shows. Both of them. I absolutely love... I've been absolutely loving both of them so far. Can't comment on them both anymore. War Games was also fantastic. Um, the women's match especially. Like, that was arguably, like, quite possibly my favourite War Games I've ever watched. So that was, like, all the thumbs up for that one. But Survivor Series, I enjoyed pretty much the entire show. I thought, yeah, apart from main event and the bulk of the men's tag match, where it was just that same pattern for the entire match, and it didn't alter. Ugh, not even for Walter. <laughs> and with that accidental rhyme, <laughs> I think it's time that I log out. I don't know how much I'm, I've seen I might be peaking, which is a bit of a shame. Ugh. Got so much to look at. <laughs> I don't know if I'm thinking ever. Anyway, thank you for tuning into this for some or whenever you've listened to it, whenever. Um, thank you, I guess. <laughs> uh, at this point at night time, I'm like ready for bed, so I'm just going to get up my notes to say goodbye and to say everything. So uh, I am live every single Thursday on LOP Radio with Imp's LOP Radio Adventure. I don't know what I'm going to be talking about this week. Uh, I've been booking guests for December. So I've not been thinking about this week. <laughs> so I'm looking. I'm, I'm being organised. I'm just not being organised now. <laughs> so I'll talk about something on Thursday. Not entirely sure what it be. Uh, but please do check out the other LP Radio shows. Uh, on Monday, it's so tomorrow will be Kingdom of Honor with Jamman and his friend Jeff talking Ring of Honor, New Japan, MLW, whatever they want to. Uh, when Tuesday's Global Revolution is our wider wrestling world show, which is currently on a mini hiatus. Uh, Wednesdays is planned Sports Entertainment is Dead, where they review a match in great detail on with a guest that is there for two weeks. Can't remember. I think the last one they did was uh, Will Ospreay versus Jimmy Havoc from Progress, like one of the earlier ones where they're doing their epic rivalry. So, yes, a broad range. The week before they did like Hulk Hogan, Paul Orndorff. <laughs> so it's like different guests really do bring different matches. So a huge spectrum being covered. So that's uh, really interesting to look out for. Uh, Thursday, uh, also live after AEW is our new AEW post-show Dynamite After Dark. Also with Jamal and Def. Jeff, awesome to see that doing really good numbers on YouTube. I uh, I don't think there was a show this week. They weren't able to. So hopefully next week they'll be back. And of course Thursday, I am live. Again with the IMSA NLP Radio Adventure. And finally Fridays is Math Planet and Mazza with the right side of the pond. And they're currently myth-busting the uh, new-gen era going through 1995, explaining why it's not crap. <laughs> so, uh, especially if that's your era, I highly recommend listening to that. It's a it's one I've not uploaded to YouTube. Uh, I'm the guy who puts everything together quickly for YouTube. I, I'm trying to find more time to do more than that, or more than this, where it's just an image and I'm talking over it. This is, I don't have the equipment, I need to purchase the equipment, and need to then set it up, because I don't want to... Just get the camera and do it. If I'm doing it, I'm getting lighting and everything. And the behind me needs to be better. And <laughs> things like that. So this is going to take time for me to organise. And I'm going to try and find time. In, try and figure out a schedule. Well, I can figure out the time to actually properly edit a proper video. Rather than what I this, which I would call not a proper edited video. Uh, yeah. 
Anyway, if people listening on podcasts are like, I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't care. Uh, anyway, follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat. That's damn as in damn, like Farouk, but I can't do it because my voice is gone. And uh, read my column. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort to uh, put that column together, so all the clicks would be awesome. <laughs> uh, this is on YouTube, so uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube thing. Uh, podcasts, uh, five stars on iTunes and whatever that place we got uploaded to something called Diesel or Dreezer or something like that. Never heard of it. One like I. I Heart Radio and Spotify and everything you could, every everyone we're on it. <laughs> so uh, please do check out that. And uh, with that, it's the end of the show. So with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, I need to take a breather after finishing that. Oh, anyway, for a special for the podcast people who didn't stop this as soon as I went quiet. This is a little bonus actually for you. So, with that, I bid you adieu. Adios.